0: Hello everyone and welcome to This Isn't Working. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Sean. And this week we have a really exciting topic, something that we've been kind of playing around with uh, throughout episodes, but we're actually going to focus on it this time. But before we get to that, Sean and I have some fun coming up this week. So we are recording sort of early mid-October this episode. And this week we are actually going to be seeing each other in person because we are going to the same conference.
1: Yeah, that's going to be wild. Because we haven't seen each other in probably a year and two or three months since we quit together. Yeah. Because we both moved.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes, because that was we. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much right after. <laughs> yes, and we unpacked our offices together. We like went yeah, through so our offices. S- so that's the last July. time we saw each other in person was July 2021. So it's been that's over a year.
1: Wild. I- yeah, because you moved well across the country. I moved to a different city, so (laughs) it all happened very quickly, too, because we moved roughly at the same time we talked about. So, yeah, it's going to be really cool to... I mean, we've talked about how we really have very similar, almost identical jobs in many ways, but we still work in the same industry, so... We'll see each other at this conference and potentially some more over the coming year, actually, a couple yeah. other ones that we might both be attending. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be cool. It'll be it'll be very strange, actually, won't it? Because we're so used to seeing each other through screens. I know,
0: <laughs> I know. And like, yeah, so since the pandemic hit in, you know, March 2020 and our office closed and everything, we hadn't seen each other in person except for that one time because we coordinated uh, emptying our offices right. so that That's we could right. be there together for a couple of hours, I think.
1: That's right, because... I'd only gone into the office during COVID maybe once or twice to grab something or to do something. Yeah,
0: I had to like pick up a new credit card once. You never got yours, I remember. That's right. I never
1: picked it up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we had the work card. Yeah, that's right.
0: And I went in for like some files and stuff that I had like that I kept uh, like paper records of that I referred to fairly regularly. And so once it was clear that we were going to be home for longer than two weeks, remember when everyone thought it would just be two weeks?
1: Yes. Yeah, I do very much remember that.
0: (laughs) Actually, when we both got these new jobs, I think we were like, this will be so exciting. Like we'll see each other at some conferences. Um, And we knew that the odds were really good that we'd be seeing each other in person in May uh, during like one of the biggest conferences in our field. But then we discovered that we were both going to this one as well, and possibly also one in December. So we'll see how that plays out for you. Yeah,
1: not sure about that one, but um, that would be cool for sure. So yeah, now that things are kind of open, well, pretty much open again. And yeah, traveling has resumed and all stuff like that. I think, you know, the likelihood is is definitely more frequent, which is cool because we live very far away from each other. So it's not like easy for us to just meet up or anything like that. So it's kind of cool.
0: And back when we could, uh, you know, like when we were working together in person, we weren't really friends. So we didn't like do anything together. <laughs> and
1: it was like the middle of the pandemic anyway. So even if we right. were, we probably wouldn't have seen each other that much anyways. Yeah. But yeah. So it's just fu- it's just going to be fun. Yeah. it'll be. I mean, it's a brief conference, but it's still kind of cool.
0: Yeah. It's going to be really quick. And I have to travel back to the other side of the country to get to it.
1: Yeah, you have an unfortunate journey, but uh, I have a much, much easier one. But um, I think I at yeah. least have
0: nice airports. I know that that sounds like the lamest thing to look forward to, but actually a good really airport yeah, is helpful. Yeah. I've been in a okay. lot of airports. Some of them are just boring and I will just like read, but I love just kind of like strolling through an airport to kill some time, stretch my legs before being on a plane.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I absolutely have to walk around. Speaking of, let's say... The time when we worked together (laughs) and sort of our viewpoint on that. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Today's topic is really focusing on you not... So the, the title of this episode is you don't owe them anything. You don't owe your employer more than what your employment contract says or your job description says, any of that sort of thing. We've talked about it plenty of, plenty of times over the course of, you know, these two seasons. The idea of people going above and beyond with very little payout or reward or incentive to do so. Yeah. So we're going to use a good chunk of this episode to look at the things that employees feel guilty about for next to no reason or because they're just good people. Right. <laughs> but they're, they're things that they should not feel bad about. So I don't know where you want to start. We've we've put together a little bit of a list of some of the, the usual suspects, but I don't know if there's one that's that's particularly calling you out.
0: So before we totally get into it, I will say that we will discuss quiet quitting later in this episode. This is not an exclusively quiet quitting episode, but I'm assuming based on like the description and how we just laid things out that people are going to be expecting that. So we will get to it. We have strong feelings about it, but it's not going to be the whole episode.
1: As a side note to quiet quitting, it's funny that it's included in this episode because we were thinking about doing an entire episode on on that whole phenomenon. And we thought it wouldn't be timely, but... It's still coming
0: up. I was just going to say that.
1: Yes. (laughs) Oh, really?
0: Yes. That was exactly what I was going to say next was because like a little, you know, hope that it'll still be timely by the time that this one comes out because we're recording uh, a few weeks ahead at this point. But I I just kept hoping it would go away and it hasn't. Like I didn't. Not really. No, I, I didn't want to have to talk about this, but it's still here. So we will.
1: Yeah, we were going to ignore it, but yeah, here we, were. we are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we were going to ignore it because we were putting episodes out a little bit later due to, like, the travel and things that we had this summer, and we thought, well, it might not make a lot of sense by the time that episode would actually air, but it's still around, people are still talking about it, people, in fact, will not shut up about it, so we won't either. Not at all. So that's that's coming later. But for now, um, as you said, we're going to talk about sort of just like why and how and in what instances uh, employees feel guilty when they just really don't have to. And I know that like we have both um, fallen victim feels like a little too strong of a phrase, but like we've both experienced this. Yes. Because we just like want to do good work. We're passionate about the work that we do, the the people that we work with in terms of our clientele. But I think let's start with not being able to take on more work. I know that I've talked with lots of my friends about this recently and they just can't, they feel like they can't say no when their boss or their team asks them to take something else on. And I am the exact same way. Like I will absolutely not say no. The only time I will kind of admit that somebody's putting too much on me that I just can't keep up or the, like the quality of my work is going to suffer because there's just too much to do is if I am like explicitly asked by my supervisor like can you actually do this or would this be too much or if you take the lead on this what kind of support would you need like i need to be expressly questioned about it otherwise i'll just be like uh huh yeah i could do it don't even worry about it
1: right yeah 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 no i see what you're saying that is challenging because it may, if you were to turn down additional work, it could have unintended consequences. Like, you know, you might not be considered for promotions or raises, or people think you're out of your death. Even if you're not, you just have a capacity constraint at some point. I feel like it can just have some negative ramifications and some positive ones. I mean, for you individually, I mean, it could set yourself up with, with healthy boundaries and Maybe make the organization think like, oh, we need additional staffing or some other additional resource in order to support this effort. But I just I always get nervous about saying no, because, uh, you know, could be like, oh, well, I guess they can't handle this workload or they can't do this. They can't do that. So they're not going to be able to handle a promotion or, you know, more strategic work
0: you don't want to seem incapable and you don't want to seem like not a team player. You know, if everyone else is saying, yes, please give me more work. I, I can absolutely handle more work. And I, f- I feel like in most situations, in most offices, most teams are generally like kind of understaffed as a baseline. Like I don't feel that yes, way yes. right now. We're doing a lot of growth. And so like Probably we will need more staff eventually. But, like, right now my team is very small and it needs to be. And I'm good with that. But in all other offices I've ever worked in, at some point we all just kind of realize like, they're asking us to do more and there aren't any more of us. How do you balance that? And you want to still do your work. Setting those kinds of boundaries should be really healthy for everyone. As you said, it should indicate to the organization that if they want more things to be done, they need to hire more people to do them and maybe be creative. You know, you don't have to just duplicate an existing role. Like if I when we work together, I don't think that our office needed another me, but we needed some other support staff that could manage maybe take one whole project off of my plate and one project off of your plate. And that would be like an entirely full-time role for a single oh, easily. person. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Something to focus on. So it could be like that. And then if you, as like the office manager or you know, the head of the organization or whatever, if you're concerned about like the financial commitment of another staff member, think outside the box. Like you don't just have to copy paste the people that you already have. You can have a role that costs you less, but is still paid fairly for the work that is expected of them and can help support the staff and the team that you already have. So I think that it should be something that leads to solutions. And that if I'm the person who's saying, no, I really can't take that on, I want to focus on the things that I'm already charged with and I want to do a good job. That should be good for everybody. But it all just feels so bad to say and to admit.
1: It does. It does. You're right. Because you're right. We've both worked at organizations where a lack of staff is a, a very real problem. But I think the other part of it, too, I'm, I'm actually of the mindset where, you know, staff Just hiring doesn't immediately solve the issue and can sometimes actually make it worse. Because I've definitely worked in roles where there's too many people involved in one thing, too many decision makers or too many, you know, just people working on the problem. You're right. It doesn't have to be a copy and paste job. I can think of times when we work together where... Even a part-time person, but like an actual staff, not a... Because we used to have student workers in our office. Yeah. But an actual part-time staff member could have really alleviated some of the challenges that we were facing in terms of our capacity without being a complete budget drain or anything like that. Which is funny because none of us were paid very well. So nobody was a budget drain, right. except for maybe our, our director at one point. We didn't didn't really do a whole lot, but I, I think you're right. Getting creative with staffing or resource solutions is, is huge. Because remember when we worked together, we went through the exercise of if you could eliminate one thing or you need to eliminate 10% of your work. Mm, yeah. But It's like, wh- where does that go? Because right. that was a situation where we weren't doing unnecessary things. It was just, we we have two people doing the work of three and a half people, basically, yeah. <laughs> because we had never backfilled some of the roles that had, that we had lost. So, yeah. Yeah. We had right. lost like so two
0: full-time and one part-time, I think, in our office that like all, a lot of that work just fell on me. Um, some mm-hmm. of it was distributed to you and maybe like one other person in our office. But ultimately, yeah, but like... W-
1: you bore the brunt of it because a lot of that happened before I was sort of brought back yes, into it. Yeah. So you were already like they just threw a bunch of stuff on you and it never really... Got any right. And I was
0: still very new when that first started. I, I think within the, my first oh, yeah. six months, we lost a staff member right. and never replaced him. We've talked about yeah. that guy before. That <laughs> He's guy. That guy.
1: Out there somewhere.
0: Yeah. But it's something that like I feel a lot of guilt about if I've ever I don't I genuinely don't even know if I've ever said to someone like, no, I can't take that on because I am overwhelmed already with everything else i've got i
1: don't know if i would have ever said something that explicit you know i i may have tried to finagle the language a bit to get out of things but i don't think i've ever said i just don't have time or the whatever to, to do that
0: i'm more of a like sure i'll make this work kind of person and then i end up like killing myself trying to or like trying to ask for help from my other like overworked thinly stretched colleagues and it's easier for someone to say no to a project that someone else already owns so like if I were given a project by like my supervisor and I didn't feel comfortable being like no I can't I don't have the the capacity for this right now. But then they're like, oh, we'll just, you know, ask if you need some help. It's easier for the people I was asking for help to be like, no, I really don't have the time this week or right now or whatever to me than it would be for like if the supervisor had been like, hey, we're all going to work on this together. Tiffany's taking the lead. Like, please support her. And that like, never happened because she was um, not a great leader, as we have yep, previously yep. discussed. It's easier for people to say no to a colleague, even letting them down gently, and maybe still feeling guilty about it, than it is for someone to tell their supervisor no, I think.
1: Yeah, no, you're right, because if you do say yes, you're going to end up inevitably doing more things on our list here, yep. like staying late, yep. not leaving on time, working on the weekends i mean these are things that i used to do as well particularly in the first few years of my what i'm going to call my postgraduate professional life um, because that is what i saw my boss and my boss's boss doing so i assume assumed that was normal and that it would yield results That's the
0: culture yeah
1: it is yeah so it's a mindset thing as well because we were brought up to do this um inadvertently you know we this is the the work ethic that was instilled in us and i don't even want to call it a work ethic because it's not a work ethic it's it's just a really an unhealthy way to work really I mean I saw yeah. some benefits early on in terms of I was promoted kind of early and that sort of stuff but it all tapered off very very quickly so you know it burned really hot and then just crashed <laughs> and then out, sort fizzled of, sort out of yeah yeah to the point where you know it was hard to decide when I'd take PTO even though I had plenty of vacation time like how does this work in because we didn't really have much downtime and if if I'm off, then this, and if I'm off, then that. Or I was worried that when I'd come back, I would just be inundated with emails and, and whatever messages. So it was, it was hard to sort of put down the phone, put the, close the laptop, and I would feel guilty when I inevitably did do those things. Um, unless, and this is my big unless, unless everybody else was off, like during the week between Christmas and New Year's, oh, yeah. when nobody else was on, then that was probably the only time where I, I ever felt truly off. And I wasn't even then because we would send students abroad then during that time frame.
0: Yeah, you had to be a lot more, I don't know if you would fully categorize it as on call, but you definitely did a lot of outside of regular business hours work, especially before you got like put on our team. Yes. Yeah. Before that. Your role changed a bit. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: But you used to do that like a lot. And
1: I don't know, there's some...
0: So there are a lot of roles in our field, not quite in the area we work in, but in the adjacent spaces where an on-call role is just kind of par for the course. And I have always kind of hesitated to look into those sorts of roles in times that I've been looking for work because I know that that's really part of it. And I have a hard time being off if I know that I could be on at some point. Like, I just have a hard time.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't yeah, be able I to be like,
0: you, you know, have like a, uh, just like have my phone at the ready and just like enjoy my life until I'm called. And maybe I won't be like, I would constantly be like checking my phone to see like, had I missed something, had something come in, blah, blah, blah. And so even when I wasn't being called into work to do a specific thing, I, like mentally, I wouldn't be able to separate it.
1: Yeah, that you're right. So that that would be particularly challenging. I feel like most of the time we see things on job descriptions like ours that say you have to be willing to work the occasional night or weekend, but yeah. that is always very vague. <laughs> um, and that's intentionally vague, obviously. But you're right. When there's a dedicated on-call component to a job, I've never had that before. Yeah. That can be particularly challenging, I would say, because you... Even though you're, quote unquote, off, you're not really off, so to speak. Right.
0: And that's like, I think that that's a a skill or maybe just like something you kind of grow accustomed to. But I know about myself that like it would be really difficult for me. So when I've seen job postings that otherwise would be like a really good fit, but they have that element, I'm less inclined to look at them more seriously because I just know how I think and feel and I don't want to put myself through that basically and I don't want to feel guilty unnecessarily when I maybe can't stay late or rearrange things I I have a pretty flexible schedule now Um, we've talked about like I we have like international components to our work and so sometimes I have a meeting at like 5 or 6 p.m. because it's the morning in Southeast Asia and that's what works most conveniently for everyone I know that that's part of the work that I do and I'm perfectly fine with that because I get that time back I'm allowed to work a flexible schedule to uh, make up for that off hours time
1: yeah same Yeah, yeah which
0: is fine for me that works for me I like that but I would totally understand if people were not interested in it
1: I get people who are like, these are my work hours, sort of end of story. Yeah. And I don't mind the flexibility of, because there are many, I mean, at least once or twice a week, I have a, a very early call. Actually, there was a couple weeks back to back where I didn't start at my normal time, except maybe like one time. Oh, yeah. And I also had the luxury of, in my afternoons, pretty much everybody is done for the day, except mm-hmm. maybe a few other people. So I get so much done during those hours because Same. it's so quiet Yeah, and like slack isn't going off. I don't get many emails. I don't, I might have an occasional call, but they're pretty rare. Yeah. So, you know, like everything sort of works out well for me as well. But I definitely understand that piece of it uh, or, you know, being hesitant around that piece of it.
0: There's no need to feel guilty about that either. Like if that's your line that you draw, then I think there's no reason to feel like you're doing something wrong if you didn't opt into that. Like our, our job descriptions always say that because of the work that we do. But if your job description is like a pretty standard set work schedule, Monday to Friday or Tuesday to Saturday or whatever, 9 to 5, let's be real, 8 to 5. <laughs> and that's what you sign on to. You shouldn't feel guilty about not being flexible unless the terms of the agreement update to reflect the needs of the organization
1: when i was traveling i went i was on vacation a couple weeks ago and i worked two of those days um, just because i started mid year so i have less pto this year than I, I will in a normal year and it was fine cuz when i was traveling it was a, it was a good day for me to be working so i remember somebody asked like oh well are you working your normal business hours i'm like i am but in the times of that i am in currently right. not in my times of that I'm normally and you know uh, i'm absolutely not getting up at you know all hours to be working East Coast times right. for no reason. You know, um, the, it's the same work and it's still getting done. So I thought that was kind of funny when somebody had asked me that, but I was like, I, it hadn't even occurred to me to work my quote unquote normal time zone business hours. I just worked the normal hours I did just in the time so that I was current at that point located it.
0: I agree, like that's what, that's what would make sense to me. So moving on to a different sort of area of guilt, which you kind of touched on a little bit, but taking PTO or paid time off, that can be such a big one. I know that I have a story about this. I don't think we've gone in depth uh, about it on the podcast before. But what are what are your thoughts on um, sort of guilt surrounding PTO?
1: I don't feel guilty anymore.
0: Yay! Uh, That's great.
1: Since I started this job, I went in with, I don't want to say low expectations for uh, that other people should have of me. just that these are par for course like of course i still get my time off approved by my supervisor as most people do um i think part of it is that because my supervisor is not american and most of the people i work with are not american there's a different mindset about taking time off yeah um and i was actually talking with one of my canadian colleagues and uh not that long ago and the the baseline, if you've only been with my organization for a year, is you get twenty vacation days, which is in the US context quite a bit. Very generous. <laughs> four yeah. weeks. Yeah, it's generous. <laughs> and then every year of service it increases by a day. So okay. after my first year then it'll be twenty one days and then twenty two. And I think it's it a cap at some point. But yeah, so pretty reasonable. And then there's a separate ten days of sick time. So two weeks paid sick time and then bereavement leave. And then they also give you like a bonus day for your birthday that you can take so it's a pretty generous leave policy yeah and then of course i get to take off relevant holidays so labor day that sort of stuff fourth of july those types of things yeah and the same as elsewhere so you know my colleagues in india it's in south asia right now it's festival season so a lot of them are off on and off for like the next two months because it's just random festivals here and there yeah um so you know totally normal and it At face value, it looks like that could be really challenging to navigate in a global organization, but it's actually not difficult at all. So because of that, all of those factors, I don't really have an issue with it. I just say to my boss, I'm planning on taking these days off, and he's never, actually, he's never even questioned any of it ever. (laughs) This is okay, great. So I think he's quite flexible with that sort of thing. It also probably helps because when we worked together, I was always like sick to my stomach with guilt yes um especially if i'd be taking longer periods of time off the approval process was the same you just had to get your boss to sign off so one of my supervisors never cared she was like for sure go for it yeah um, but then the one supervisor was always like m- much more difficult about it because it was always like panic mode for coverage on things it's like well who's gonna answer phones or what about emails i'm like i i don't know one of the other three people who work in this office i <laughs> do it for a couple of days like yeah. So now, now, not some, not so many issues. I just, am happy to use the time. My 20 days don't roll over either. So I have to use them in the calendar year. Oh, so okay. you're really kind of pushed to take the time off.
0: That is kind of nice in its own way. Yeah.
1: It is. It would have been nice to bank it, but my organization doesn't at this point pay out like our previous one did. Okay. That is another reason for me to be more than happy to take vacation time yeah. because there's no payout if and when I leave one day.
0: That's a real mindset shift.
1: It is. Yeah. So it's kind of like the organization's like, well, if you don't take it, you lose it. So please take it because you need to do that. So anyways, that's my long winded um, before was problematic. Now I don't have any issues. And I kind of was up for my first test that when I was on vacation a couple weeks ago. So it was really the first time I'd taken multiple days off in a row. Yeah. Since I started this role, I had the occasional holiday. And so I was really nervous about my inbox and like Slack messages. Totally fine. I just spent pretty much all of them well throughout the whole week but monday especially just catching up on things and that was it it was you you just catch up i mean it was fine nobody was like worried i said if there's anybody who needs something urgently urgently just message me again so i can bump that up in my priority list but
0: yeah
1: yeah nobody batted an eye is just fine you know caught up and everything was good
0: that's so nice and then you get to actually you know relax on your vacation (laughs)
1: Yeah. So I'm off again in a couple weeks for a few days. And so now I'm not worried really at all about that <laughs> because before I was like, oh God, like
0: more time so many off. emails yeah. and so
1: much Slack and uh, Slack messages and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, it was fine. And it'll be fine in a few weeks as well. It's not the end of the world. I'm I'm not a, in a role where somebody could live or die. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I love hearing that and I'm feeling more that way now, but it has taken a while to get Uh, to like shift the mindset. Because as you said, like when we worked together, it was really difficult. And in the three jobs I've had since then, (laughs) um, it's been a completely different experience from when we worked together. When we worked together, there was a lot of, as you were saying, guilt. There was a lot of concern about, well, who will cover what and what will happen? And how how can we possibly function? Which again, like that's a reflection of the organization and the management and everything. If you can't, function for your employees to take their earned time off like yeah, that's one, two, or three days
1: too. yeah it's not even like weeks at a time right
0: so. and so that's a whole that's a whole other thing but the uh, organizations i've been with since have been much friendlier about the policy you know and it's uh there are some formal components to it in terms of like enter this in the hr platform uh, uh yeah but then yeah, the informal yep. Uh, part as well where it's chat with your boss let them know that this is coming etc etc my boss is like very chill and he wants us to take our time and like have our moment and everything like that he's very supportive of that and I was especially grateful because listeners I believe know that in August I went to Spain right yeah and I was going with a friend and it just took us some time to coordinate like the exact dates so that we could overlap and he had some rigid things he was trying to work around but they like the, his dates weren't finalized until it got a little bit closer so for you know like I think I was gone like 10 days or something so for 10 days away from work and home and being you know to and from and in Spain I wasn't able to like book that until uh, I think like June or July so it was like for a trip that we knew we were taking it wasn't able to be finalized until closer than like most circumstances you'd you'd prefer but my boss was really flexible I just told him like I know I'm going sometime in August like when I have dates I'll let you know but the actual dates are just going to kind of vary one by my friend's uh, schedule and availability and then two I will have the flexibility to go a little before and a little after since we're meeting there we didn't go together we just met because we were coming from different parts of the country so I was like I'm also going to consider like if it's cheaper to fly out a day before I will be doing that (laughs) and like I'll adjust my vacation days or if I get there before he gets there, I'll do like I'll work from Spain for a day or two or something like I'm full. And he was OK with that. He was like, yeah, just like when it's when it's booked, let me know and we'll get it on the calendar. So he was really flexible about that, which is the polar opposite of the experience I alluded to when we first started talking about the PTO a moment ago. I
1: think I know which experience you're going to talk about. I believe that, but you I love do. hearing this one because <laughs> it's it's always... It's always such a funny story to me because it, I mean, I obviously know the characters involved, but go on, please. Yeah.
0: It's, it was like so traumatic for me. Um, It shouldn't have been, but I'm, as we've mentioned before, like I'm a bit sensitive. I'm a, I'm a tender little flower. So <laughs> I take things really personally and really hard and, you know, I'm working on that. Anyway, we all have our thing. So when I, I started uh, where we worked together close to the end of the calendar year. And then the following year I had a, like in the summer I had a trip planned with my partner and we were taking a delayed honeymoon so this was also like a big deal kind of trip we had like already had some other vacations planned and then we had had uh, we moved about like our one year anniversary which is when we were planning to take our quote-unquote honeymoon so it, it got pushed back a couple of years but we finally got it sorted and booked and arranged and everything and that was when I was at a different job and so when I got the job where we work together the training I've talked about before on the podcast was like very chaotic it was very intense but also not helpful and it just like that trip wasn't until uh late June and this was like mid-November so it just really I wasn't say, you
1: were good six seven plus months away right? yes six, eight months, yeah. yes and
0: most organizations have some kind of like vacation debt Policy, like if you already have something booked, obviously they're not going to be like, Well, you can't go. That you just like kinda of yeah, go into debt with your PTO. Front, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because the 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 person you replaced actually did that with sick time. She got horribly ill when she first started and was in like sick debt for several months. Oh
0: I remember that actually. Her way out of it. She mentioned it, yeah. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. so okay, so you had told them like during the interview process or whatever up front that, hey, this is a pre booked trip we're taking you know, so I will be off those days. Yeah, thing, so I did Which is them, not super uncommon for people to do when they change jobs. This exactly, a, yeah. So this is pre-booked, sorry, end of story kind of Because thing, in
0: yeah. most cases you have a trip planned out a bit. And so if you happen to change oh, yeah, right. jobs uh, or organizations or whatever in that time, most people are just like fairly understanding of that and make the appropriate arrangements or say, okay, well, you'll continue to like dig yourself out of the vacation hole until – like you've earned back like what you took ahead of time or whatever so there's usually like some kind of policy for that and so i did mention that that would be coming and actually it worked out perfectly because like looking ahead um part of our vacation was over july 4th and i had earned by that time like exactly the number of days maybe with one left over that i would actually oh, need needed.
1: right so okay. it, i wasn't even gonna so you need even to go had the debt. time on top of it mm-hmm. yeah that's right yeah okay Wow.
0: So um, anyway, starting out uh, around the holiday season and just with the training chaos and blah, blah, blah. And then we were like hiring another staff member that I like sat in on interviews for like my first week. So it was just like a very chaotic time. And I wasn't thinking about like reminding my supervisor about this vacation that I had planned in, you know, six, seven months, whatever. And then in in January, when things slowed down and, like, the office was quiet and we had our new staff member and blah, 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 and, like, things were settled. I think it was, like, March and she was asking about summer plans because she was trying to, like, coordinate all of our summers. And she already had that's her right, she vacations planned. Two,
1: yeah, she would take a two-week vacation, like, every summer. With, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yes.
0: So she wanted to make sure that, like, everyone else was on for those two weeks or whatever and so she just kind of posed that and I said well you know I've got like my trip to Europe at the end of uh, June beginning of July and she flipped she was like shocked like she'd never heard about it she was like well you can't do that and I said like I've booked it what like what yeah and so this was
1: okay. Three months, four, whatever months ago. I know. So. And I
0: just went, I remember I went like so hot and sweaty, like right away, I could feel myself like getting red. And I was just like, what, like, what do you mean you can't like what? I was just like shocked that she she even said that to me. And she was like, we have to, you know, stagger our vacations and everything here because our office is so small. And what if somebody else has something booked then? And I said, well, like, I have something booked then. Like, we talked about this. Yeah,
1: yeah. Stagger it around this. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But I was just so, first of all, just like absolutely taken aback. Second of all, I felt guilty immediately. Like, I had so disappointed this new person in my life that I was like trying to work for and like impress, which in Retrospect lol. But um, you yeah. know, at the time, I, mean. <laughs> I was just I was I I it, trauma. Trauma. And as it turned out, nobody else was planning to take any time off during that time frame. Absolutely. Of course not. No one nobody else. took
1: time off. Yeah. No. Rarely did people take time off.
0: People didn't take time off to begin with, uh, but nobody was planning to take That time off. And we already had the long weekend for July 4th anyway. So it was like completely fine. But she flipped and she was just like, you can't do this. You can't do this. You have to like work with me, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I thought I did work with you. This was me reminding you when you reprompted for vacation requests that like I already had one in the bag. And then, uh, I think, like, a week or two later, we had another one-on-one. And she was like, I shouldn't have reacted that way. Like, if you, like, this is your honeymoon. Like, you should enjoy it. Of course, take it. But, like, the damage was done. And I didn't ask for oh, another yeah. day off, including, like, sick time or anything, for a year and a half. Like, the the next Jesus. time I took days off, that was, like, uh, end of June, early July, as I said, 2018. I didn't ask for another day off until another vacation day until uh, Labor Day weekend of 2019. Yeah, and I asked for one day to have a four-day weekend and I felt like I had to present that with like an excuse. So what happened was my sister was getting married that weekend and I was like, if I tell her it's for a wedding, like she won't be mad because she is the very like- No, she would love that. Yeah, Yeah. that just was like her kind of thing. But I felt like I had to like preempt any potential-
1: You had to justify it.
0: Yeah, and I had to justify it with something that like she would find personally worthwhile while. God, that's wild. I know, and I'm sure if I've come so far. <laughs> I know, <laughs> just like looking back, wow. But I, I really felt like I couldn't take the PTO that I had earned. Every time I've left a job, like I try, I try to bank it one if there's a payout, especially. But two, I just feel so bad. I'm always like, what possibly will my office mates do if I'm out for an appointment and I come in at nine instead of eight? How will Which they is such survive? A crazy-
1: crazy line of thought i know because we left that organization on the same day and nothing
0: nothing bad happened nothing nothing and we were
1: that disposable right get going. dark i mean i'm sure it was a bit of a train wreck but at the end of the day they, nobody they it died out. and the buildings remained standing right you know, kind of situation
0: and um again that was like any problems they had were a reflection of the deprioritization uh, yeah, they placed yeah, on our office uh, yeah. yeah it wasn't that we left it was that they didn't support us or prepare for it even when they had the heads up it totally changed the way that i looked at pto there and having to have it approved by that particular supervisor that in my next job when i had to like ask for a time off or i wanted to use comp days my supervisor there at my next job was like you have four days because you traveled on weekends and non-work days and blah, blah, blah. Like, we want everyone to kind of use them in pretty short order. So, like, please make sure that you take, like, when are you taking these four days or whatever? And it was just, like, it was nice that she was pushing for that to make sure that I was fairly compensated because I was fully prepared to just, like, eat those days because I, I, like, was still not over the problem.
1: In that year and a half where you didn't take a single day off, She should have noticed and said something to be like, hey, you haven't taken a day off. You have you at that point, you're probably earning what one day a month, I think was the policy if you were less than five years. Yeah. So she should have been like, you have at least 15 days here sitting here, you know, you need to take a few days off or whatever. Remember, we had a coworker where they like forced her to take time off because she kept Yeah, because she'd lose it. Cap? Yeah. Yeah, because she had she was grandfathered into an old vacation policy, like a much more generous one. Yeah because of how long she had been there. But yeah, that's so crazy. I feel like if I were part of the role of a supervisor is to, to check in on that, at least right. semi-regularly, I would do it probably every month or quarter, just be like, who is not taking any leave this year? And, but, you know, I mean, she would have never thought to do that anyways. Yeah, she
0: had some sort of different policies, which were very much not that. They were having bad reactions to people taking earned vacation. That was her policy.
1: <laughs> it was funny because she would take off, like two weeks not at a time usually but i remember during the summer she'd take like a week's vacation on her birthday with her family which yep. you know if she has it entitled to it sure but then she'd take like another trip um and then a few other days randomly here and there and there was never any because she wasn't involved in the office right so her being out did not affect the flow of the office if anything it made it flow better yes. because the looming presence was gone so it's just funny because even at the same organization two wildly different sort of perspectives on taking leave
0: yeah and a lot of times she wouldn't so when she left I was usually the default I was the like I'm out of office if you have questions right you know email Tiffany and a lot of times she wouldn't tell me until like right before she was leaving not like as she's literally walking out the door but oh by the way next week I'm out all week or next week I'm out starting Wednesday or whatever and she would do that like all the time again she didn't really impact the office very much so like it didn't really affect me that juxtaposed against like my experience reminding her that I would be taking time off in many months time it was just so stark so hypocritical so problematic and I wasn't like particularly young like that wasn't like my first job or anything like that but even in the years that have passed now looking back I'm like I shouldn't have taken that I should have been like this is an inappropriate response I should have talked to someone about how that made me feel and how it resulted in me not again taking my earned time off like ever like I would just plan for things on we had like some random days off there and I would just like plan for things around those because I was terrified to ask for time off from her
1: did you mention that during your exit interview sure did curiosity okay because I would be (laughs) say that's that's like a prime example of how chaotic that place was.
0: Yeah, I did. Because as I said, like, I was very traumatized by it. It impacted like the entire rest of my time there. And when I needed to use like some FMLA for uh, a family emergency, I was like, I was afraid to even ask for that. I was like, I'll just take vacation. But that's not vacation.
1: Not at all. No, not at all. I mean, I did the same thing, actually, when my grandfather passed away. I didn't really realize we had a bereavement policy. Yeah. And it was based on the relation. Like how close so, they were like, to you, yeah. Yeah, so if it was like a parent or sibling, you'd get three days. I think I was given like two days or whatever because it was a grandparent. But I was also flying like 3,500 miles to get to where, where my grandparents live. And so I used sick time because I didn't realize I had so much sick time. It didn't matter. But I just used sick time for the week. And yeah. That was never, she never ever mentioned bereavement until I didn't know it existed until she took bereavement, I think, or maybe somebody else took bereavement. They were like, oh, I have two days off for, for our bereavement leave. Yeah. Break. Partially on me for not looking at the handbook, but I would have never thought to to do that because nobody had ever, ever in my life mentioned bereavement leave. So right. anyways, I think this is unfortunately where we get into the quiet quitting part of today, yes. today's conversation. <laughs> so we weren't going to talk about it for a couple reasons. One, we didn't think it would be relevant by the time we came to record about it, because this really kicked up in the summer.
0: But it seems like and it's then here. Two,
1: it's, yeah. The second piece of it was, we were just going to ignore it because we think it's stupid. Yeah. So some guy had made a TikTok about it earlier in this year, but it really went viral when some girl... Like did another TikTok and like it, then it made the news and all kinds of stuff. But even to this day, we're still seeing articles. Uh, uh, one we'll reference here in a minute was just from last month. There's things from this past week even. So we thought this would fizzle out a little bit more and it, it, it hasn't really. And I think there's a, a few reasons for that. But the reality of the matter is the job market is still pretty hot. Mm-hmm. And so workers have a lot of the luxury of choice and they're sort of in a position of power that they weren't in. You know, even just a couple of years ago and in the preceding years, obviously we see this with a lot of people unionizing, job hopping more happily <laughs> yes. and that sort of thing. But there is a potentially looming recession if we're not in one already. So I think the other piece of that is people are a little bit more concerned about quiet quitting. If you live under a rock and or don't have TikTok or read the news ever, quiet quitting is... A very stupid thing. Really what it is, is not going above and beyond what you are supposed to do for your job. So, you know, working late, working on weekends,
0: taking on extra projects.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So basically if you have an employment agreement, it's doing what's in your employment agreement and being compensated for those things. That's what it is. I don't know why they call it quiet quitting. I don't know what the situation is. I just know it upset a lot of billionaire capitalists. Um, (laughs) People were really upset about it um, because they, like, like Kevin O'Leary, that Shark Tank guy, he was like, you're a loser if you're a quiet quitter. He's like, Every, I hope they work for my competitors because that's what makes my company the best, blah, blah. It's like, all right, first off, you're a tool. Second of all, it's okay for your, employers or your employees to leave at five or six o'clock at night whenever they're off the clock. But anyways, that's what quiet quitting is.
0: Yes. And so our issue uh, with quiet quitting is that it's not real. It's not a thing. It's just work. Quiet quitting is just work. It's just doing your job as you've agreed to do it. And we, to a certain extent, I think, are both the kind of people that will take on extra work when we're passionate Uh, about it. Like we did a lot of diversity work that was actually that we like begged for because no one was including us in it. That's right. Um, When we work together, I know that we both will take on like – presentations at conferences or like extra things like that that we think are interesting or worthwhile or you know and like let's not make this entirely like altruistic like it also looks good for us to do those things we also get to like add those to our resume or talk about them in interviews when we decide to leave where we currently are or whatever it's professional development it's great experience like there are a multitude of reasons to do something like that but ultimately those things are an option they are not required and if you're not doing them there's nothing wrong with that. You're just doing your job and that's fine. Not everyone identifies fully as like what they do and I think that that's fine and if you don't want to go above and beyond like we've talked about this before if you have a job because you need to pay your bills and that's why you work fine if you turn your computer off or walk out of the office at 5 p.m. and you are not accessible by or to the people that you work with or for until eight o'clock the next morning, fine. That's what you've agreed to. That's what you've been asked to do. That's what you've agreed to do. That's the end of it. Quiet quitting isn't real.
1: Yeah, it's not. And it's so funny when you see some of the TikToks and YouTube videos and all the things that people may have made since it went viral about how they quiet quit. And some are like, well, Once 5 o'clock hits, I close my laptop because that's the end of my workday.
0: Yes, that's (laughs) what it should be. That's exactly
1: (laughs) what it should be, right? Yeah. It's just funny to be like, well, I have a lunch hour even though I'm a remote employee, so I take my full lunch hour.
0: As you should.
1: You should. Yeah, you should do that. Even if you're not eating for 60 minutes, you can eat go for a walk, do whatever in that hour. It's your time.
0: It is. And I, I support the, like, movement of getting people out of this mentality or especially um, for, like, younger millennials or Gen Z. Those under 35 are more disengaged right now from their work yep there's a lot to do with the pandemic about that there's a lot to do with just like this kind of uh labor movement that's happening right now i do think it's helpful to call attention to the fact that like you don't have to go above and beyond that like that's not what should be happening so i support the concept of like I support it as, like, an instruction manual. Like, hey, even if you're a remote employee, if you have a lunch hour, take your hour. Go for a walk. Play with your dog. Do a load of laundry. Like, whatever you want to do, if that's what you want to do. Sit and do nothing. Lay on the floor and do nothing. Take a yoga class. Like, whatever. I support people being like, hey, you deserve this. But I don't get why people are like, I'm taking a stand, you know? Like, this is me making a—like— So I think that it's good in the sense that it's bringing attention to, like, you don't have to live this, like, hardcore, all-work-and-no-play lifestyle to be successful, to be happy. Like, you should balance things. I am into that side of it, but I think that because that's how it just should be, like, you just should have your own time back.
1: Yeah, it doesn't need a term. Right. It's not a... I mean people are describing it as a bit of a phenomenon because i mean employers and corporations do not like it they want you to do more and get compensated less for it obviously that, that fits in very well for their their business model but the this under 35 stat you referenced a minute ago is from the gallup article that i mentioned just came out the beginning of last month where they did a poll on employer disengagement and it referenced quiet quitting um, it was an article primarily about disengagement, but it said quiet quitting is a symptom of poor management.
0: Exactly.
1: And yeah, I mean, in the sense that disengagement is the result of poor management, it is. You're right. People aren't checking in. People don't know if you've taken leave in a year and a half. Right. People don't, you know, these, types <laughs> of, these are all prime examples. My only sort of pull pushback on that is that, well, quiet quitting isn't a symptom of anything. It's just people have decided that they're not going to go above and beyond but they're do not more because kill they're not being themselves. compensated for it. They're not They're not receiving any sort of tangible benefit to themselves. But yeah, people are not going to kill themselves. They're not going to break their back for, for no reason. And that's not to say that people aren't working hard during their work hours. I mean, I'm sure there's examples where people are taking this to a bit of an extreme and they're just like totally tuned out. Yeah. From our perspective, it's really just about you can do a good job and still confine those to your standard business hours.
0: I think I don't care for the framing of it being like quiet quitting because you're not abandoning your work if you're doing your work as described. Like that's... Exactly. exactly. Yes. Yes,
1: that's exactly right. And yeah. this
0: makes it like the phrase quiet quitting, I think is what I have more problems with than anything. And I think that it's because the media like ran with it and whatnot, that that makes it sound like you are like getting one over on your employer and i don't it makes it sound
1: like you're taking advantage of them right which is not you know doing something nefarious if you are
0: doing what they've asked you to do and what you've agreed to do that's just the contract that's the that's you signing the offer letter that's absolutely. It. Yeah. And if you are in a toxic work environment and you are checking out more and more because of that, that's a different thing. That's not.
1: It. It is right. That's not quiet quitting. Yeah, that's
0: the symptom of poor management. That's the increased disengagement. Quiet quitting is not real because it's just doing your job as described. And exactly. Yeah. Phrasing it like that makes it sound like this entire workforce is, you know, like like you said, like, you know, doing something against their employer. And that's not the case. They're just not killing themselves to do more than they've been asked to do.
1: Yeah, people, because as you can imagine, when quiet quitting sort of became a phenomenon or the terminology, excuse me, in July, people, employers were like, well, now people are going to be less productive. People aren't working hard. People are doing X, Y, Z. But that's not quiet quitting. There has been interesting enough because I sent you this article. Was it this week?
0: Yeah, a couple of days ago. That. Yeah. So
1: NPR released an article that the U.S. has seen the largest decline in productivity since 1948, which is when the government started tracking worker productivity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought it was funny because the article read like Jeff Bezos wrote it directly. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, this is the worst thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. This country (laughs) is falling apart. And I thought it was funny because the article made no reference. Uh, Well, no, that's not true. It did reference the fact that worker productivity has been up significantly, Mm -hmm. but it was kind of vague about it. But then I remembered a previous episode, an an organization uh, article that we had referenced where worker productivity since 1979 has gone up 68%, whereas wages only went up 17.5%. So that means productivity has gone up, outpaced wages significantly 3.5 times in terms of its increase so i view this quote unquote we'll call it decline in engagement as a correction yeah or productivity it is a correction because now uh you know and they referenced a lot of things that the 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 reason that this could be the case one was the job market Mm -hmm. uh, in particular being so hot there's no shortage of jobs i think the unemployment rate in the us right now is quite low it's like three and a half three point seven percent but inflation is still very high prices are you know going up and up and up but when people switch jobs they're getting significantly higher wages generally obviously not a universal experience but it just felt like a productivity correction because until wages match that let's call it 68 percent you know there's no reason for people to be more productive right and i think that's sort of fallen from this quiet quitting thing so it could be a result of people just confining their work to their work hours you know there's there's no real rhyme or reason that i can see for this decline but i think there's a lot of factors at play but i just thought it was really funny that this article was like all doom and gloom
0: yeah the framing is like the the economy is gonna
1: crash yeah they were like if people are less productive what does that mean for the economy? I'm like, I mean, yeah, I mean, the economy will, may not grow as fast if we're, we're less productive. But at the same time, like, wages haven't really kept up right. with that productivity. Just over the last couple of years, have we seen sort of these sort of ludicrous, well, they're not even ludicrous, really, these more appropriate wages because people are desperate to find work.
0: So they're actually paying market value.
1: <laughs> because they have to now. Right. Whereas before, they never had to because of this really what I'm assuming will be a once in a generation shift, you know, into our favor, because there will come a time when the employers are up again. Yeah. Whether we hit a recession or what, you know, whatever happens, um, there will come a time where they have the upper hand again. So we have to get as much as we can now before that time.
0: And I agree. I think that the workforce on the whole is owed this improvement. And it's you know, not any one individual, because this is over what, like 60, 70, 80 years, whatever, I can't do math, but labor in general is owed more.
1: Right. Well, and then, then part of the article was, oh, and we'll link the articles and that we've referenced today as well. But this article was like, oh my God, if we keep paying people more, you know, it's just going to make inflation worse. And I'm thinking like, People need higher wages in order to keep up with inflation because right. any sort of raise that's less than seven or eight percent that somebody has gotten in the last year is meaningless, right? Because the price of fuel has gone up, bread,
0: cost of living, eggs, and other you know,
1: staples that people look at. <laughs> yeah, rent, of course, is, is up 50% in some markets or 150%. Interest rates are astronomical right now um, as the Fed tries to control inflation. So, <laughs>
0: right, it's kind of air quotes, it's kind of a
1: yeah, right, it's kind of a two double-bladed sort of weapon here yeah because uh, you know people are trying to control inflation but wages are still going higher so i don't know it's just i just thought it was funny because that npr article also referenced quiet quitting as the reason for this drop in in engagement and productivity even if it is let's let's say quiet the quiet quitting phenomenon has had an impact Again, it's just a productivity correction. Then People are still being very, very productive, just not as much as corporations or businesses would like them to continue to be.
0: Right. Oh, man, it's it'll be interesting to see uh, when this episode goes live. Uh, where the quiet quitting argument or like what the media is saying at that point, since we did finally cave and address it. Yeah, but yeah. one of the things that we would love to hear is uh, if you have thoughts on quiet quitting, do you agree with us? It's not really real. It's just kind of a correction. Or, you know, do you have other thoughts? We're, we're open to, to hearing what you have to say. In the meantime, though, next week, we actually the next two weeks, we have some pretty cool episodes. Next week, we'll be releasing uh, part one of two parts on a book that we read called Bullshit Jobs. A few people recommended this to us. We've been reading it for a while now.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, but we were very slow. <laughs>
0: it's a, a great read, um, especially during these you know strange employment times that we are living in. As we've discussed in basically every episode, um, it's chaos. So. We definitely recommend the book on the whole. If you are looking for something to read, read it and then tune in with us starting next week to hear our thoughts. But that'll be a a two-part, very mini-series coming up that we have. And also, as always, please don't forget to leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on to help us reach more listeners. We would super, super appreciate it.
1: Awesome. And we will see you next week for Bullshit Jobs.
0: Bye! The top of 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 the the top of 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 the